If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning, and then someone hands you a baby. I like you just the way you are. You're braver than you believe, and stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. Parenting is a sacrifice, it's exhausting, it's expensive, at times it feels thankless, but eventually you die. Welcome to the Kid Doc Good Job Being the Mom podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping mothers and fathers through supporting, enabling, and empowering them in their amazing role as parents. Well, Dad, I have a very important question to ask you before we talk about cute babies today. My All right, let's hear it. question is, what is your favorite ice cream place in Davis County? Ooh, I'm sure I have to say Nielsen's Custard because that's multi-generational for Amy and her family. And so, so Nielsen's Custard with the close second being Pace's Dairy Ann for the uh, Rainbow Slushes. Mm. So how about you? I would probably echo that same thing. I like that in Layton, okay. you can get both if you want to and do an ice cream off. True. <laughs> Get the you get the peach so rainbow that, and the whatever what's the bumbleberry and the bumbleberry com, bumbleberry concrete. Nielsen's custard yeah, it's, can, cannot be beat. <laughs> All right, there's our plug for Nielsen's custard. Yeah, and there we go. Some, someone give us give us some royalties. Okay. <laughs> so oh, I awesome. would love to talk about the beautiful new babies that have just been taken home from the hospital and now are under the care of their wonderful parents. What is the timing for the first visit after the hospital? Yeah. And that totally varies based on how experienced the parents are. So for first time parents, they have so many questions. And so I see them back at 48 hours all the time. And then for experienced parents, I see them back at about two weeks of age for their baby. But there's always an open door for sooner follow-up for any concerns like jaundice or weight gain or not voiding your stooling. So yeah, very flexible and an open door for them. Okay. So what are the top questions parents ask about at that two-week visit? Sure. I get a lot of questions at this first visit, especially from the first-time parents, like I mentioned. And I encourage them when they're in the hospital to make lists of questions on their phones because they will forget about them when they're tired and they're going to be tired. Mm -hmm. And so so write their good questions down. And the, the main list that I see is typically gas, reflux, fussy babies with colic. They get some blocked tear ducts then breast versus bottle feeding, baby acne, cradle cap, pacifier use, and then kind of the skin and nail care for their babies. So regarding those concerns, what are the top advice items that you cover at this visit? Yeah, I think once I I go ahead and do their questions, then there's a few things I talk about kind of in addition to always give them some, some advice. And the short list is about bottle feeding, and then I tell them to cook them evenly, and I'll explain that later. Uh, sibling safety, and then daytime versus nighttime feeding are some advice items we can cover. Great. 
So let's talk about gas first. Body functions <laughs> are hilarious for kids and adults, if we're being honest. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Wh- <laughs> what about gas? <laughs> so, so because a baby has never swallowed anything but amniotic fluid the whole time they're in mom, that now, whether they're breastfeeding or formula feeding, they're having something go in their tummy they've never had to digest before. So they always have some degree of gas. And so I, I talked to them about how to manage that gas and in, in terms of massaging the baby's tummy in clockwise fashion around the belly button, leg bicycling, and extending and flexing the legs to help move that gas out. And then that gas will get better over time as they get used to digesting things. Remember that as, as breastfeeding moms have all the different foods they eat, everything goes in their breast milk, everything. And so as they have different meals and those kind of things, then the kids will have different degrees of digesting things and eventually they get used to everything. If they have problems like on Taco Tuesday and they can't digest certain things pretty well, then we'll say, hey, let's back off on that one thing. But I think so many moms are given massive lists of things they shouldn't eat and if they look at that list, there's like nothing they can have. It's like water and like maybe chicken, and that's it. <laughs> so, so uh, I, I try to help them understand that just eat your regular diet. The kids will work it out most of the time, and so don't be too concerned about being having this kind of monastic diet where they can't eat anything. So, um, and the kids will start to adjust as they get used to digesting different things. Cool. I like this bicycling idea. It made me think of the yoga pose in. Yoga uh-huh. practice. It's called wind relieving pose. It's oh. I know you've got one. It's like when you have one leg close to your body, and then you switch. Uh-huh. Anyway, so yeah, it, it's it massa- massaging the air yeah, out. It does. So it okay, your intestinal tract. So what about <laughs> spit up? It seems like parents and newborns are always covered in baby spit up because it's a common occurrence. <laughs> um, what? Yeah. What are some recommendations and things that you talk about with spit up? Yeah. Well, reflux is super common where almost all babies spit up some. And reflux just means that things are going backward from their stomach up to you know their esophagus or out of their mouth. And I, I don't really treat kiddos unless they are having pain or not gaining weight well. And so if they are happy spitters, then I don't use any medication. And I focus on just some things that can help out because when they're happy speeders, it's mostly just kind of a laundry, tied and cheer problem because you're washing lots of clothes. So what I'll do for the kids that are happy spitters is to go ahead and talk about putting some speed bumps into their routine where I don't care how much they eat, but I do care how fast. So maybe every ounce or every couple of minutes that they're burping their baby to help the baby realize that they're full. It takes about 15 to 20 minutes for the reflex, that's not reflex, but reflex to go from their stomach to their brain to say, hey, we're full and, and to stop eating. So, so take some time to, to feed them slowly so they know they're full. Second thing is to hold them upright for a time after they eat. And then the third thing is that when they're in bed, to have their bed slightly angled upright to have gravity on your side while they are sleeping. So not, not so much that they end up sliding down to the bottom of the bed <laughs> while they're sleeping, but just just enough to have gravity on their side to keep stomach contents down. And then if they have problems with pain and, um, and not gaining weight well, we'll talk about some medications that help with heartburn. Okay. 
So, aside from gas and reflux, what if the baby is still super fussy? What could be the issue? Sure. Well, for babies and for older kids, like we talked about, there's always a reason. Mm -hmm. So, we look at the patterns, and if the pattern is this child that has started fussing a lot after about three weeks of age, and it's a lot of threes, it's after three weeks of age, after three in the afternoon, and lasts until about three months of age, and for about three hours a day, so a lot of threes. Then we think about why is it this kid is crying a lot during a certain period of time, but, but not other times in, in the day? Because if there's a problem like gas or reflux, it should be happening 24 hours a day, but if it's only happening in a cert, certain period, then it's more likely to be something like colic. And what colic really is is just kind of this trash can term that refers to this kiddo that's more fussy than they used to be and takes a lot of help to console. And so what I have parents do is literally make a list of things that help out and take suggestions from me, from their family members, and make a list that goes from changing their diaper, going for a walk, being in the swing, going for a ride in the car, having a bath, baby massage, whatever it is, but making a list that is a list for your baby that helps out when they're having a hard time. Because basically the baby's saying, I'm crying. I don't know why. Good luck figuring it out. <laughs> and so you just, you just have to, I know you just have to try different things to see what can help out. Um, and so you know, allow spouses to help. So you've done the first three items on the list. You need some help. You're getting tired and 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 frustrated. Let them literally take the next two or three items on the list and work through it. Um, I, I tell people if all else fails, it's okay to let the baby cry. You know, in the room for a while with the door closed while you walk away, get a drink of water as an alternative to getting mad. And and so it's you know, it's much better way to manage it. And I do give people a reference to the University of Washington where they have a website for what's called the purple period. And and if we can get that onto our, our website we'll leave that with you. And so but yeah. Um, and then I, I I talk to people about not shaking your baby um, and I'll tell you, you know, as a first time parent for me, you know, I would I would get upset and frustrated. I, I would have worked these 36 hour shifts and Amy, my wife, was tired and I've got this cute baby, Emily, that just, you know, curly hair. And, and but just frustrating because, you know, somebody it's just fussy and, you know, and they either want to interact or they're crying. And, and you know, you can only sing I'm a child of God so many times. <laughs> and so to somebody. And so. But I don't know if that's a revelation for you, Em, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think it's okay to acknowledge yeah. that people get frustrated and, and just say that how I'm going to manage that is by walking away and, and letting them cry for a while. And, and that's okay. Yeah. yeah, to make sure that the baby stays safe and, and um, you have time to recoup, like you said. Yeah. So, and, and part of that, I think, is being very good about asking for help from your spouse and when people want to help you they may not know how but you could say hey can you you know watch the baby for an hour so i can get a nap or something mm-hmm. but um but just it's okay to it's okay to invite people to help you when they especially as you have more kids one thing that's really helpful is to take the other kids away and go to the park and play so you can focus on the baby um, and sometimes you know as the mom's the only one that can really be the the best caregiver for the baby if she can have some help from friends and family to watch the other kids Mm -hmm. that's a really big help that you can ask for yeah yeah Uh, another big ongoing challenge is feeding the baby so 
many young moms have their value connected to their ability to breastfeed their baby. So what do you like to talk about when maybe that breastfeeding is difficult or challenging for the mom? And um, yeah, what are some things you discuss? Yeah, well, this is a really critical issue here in Utah because where there's some evidence that that the that the rate of breastfeeding is tied to to education education and those kind of things that we have a very well educated populace here and so moms know the value of breastfeeding and plan on making the sacrifice to breastfeed their kids and so they have this I think image that that if breastfeeding isn't going well, that they're failing in their role as a mom. And so so we, we really encourage breastfeeding as what's best for the baby, but there are so many vari- variables that go into impacting how the breastfeeding process is going. My, my goal is first that the baby gets some food for growth and hydration. Next is that they get breast milk. And next down is that breastfeeding is going well. Mm-hmm. And that's the order that we can control and help a mom who is struggling with feeding her baby and talk about how it's you know, most important to make sure the baby's safe and, and, and go from there. So, so what, what I'll talk about is, is going ahead and, and, and breastfeeding the baby. If things aren't going well, the baby's really fussy half hour later, an hour later, then take some time to let the you know, your spouse or other people in the family go ahead and offer a supplement after breastfeeding attempts and then what we can do is we can get the mom with a lactation specialist to make sure that the where the baby's latching on and nursing is going well that milk supply is good and and help out but at the same time while we're doing that we can make sure the baby's being well fed by offering some bottles that are either pumped milk or formula that spouses can help out with while, while mom may do some breastfeeding to help keep her supply up. Mm-hmm. But that, that's just a, a huge part of, of being able to make sure the baby's well-fed. And what, what moms are really grateful for is that their child's well-fed, not crying all the time. And we can always find a way to help breastfeeding work better with, um, with help with lactation specialists who are excellent at, at helping provide care for that, that baby and mom. So is that something that a mom would come to you and then you would refer them? Or was that something they would go to, oh, that they're OBGYN and then their OBGYN would refer them? Well, no, that's a great question because almost always they don't see their OBGYN until six weeks of age after after delivery. And so we see them, both mom and the baby. So we, we're the first ones, to, kind of the first line of defense for how moms are doing with postpartum depression and with how things are going with that mom baby dyad Mm -hmm. so so yeah so so we're the ones who make that referral so um and i guess i would say one more thing about how we feed these kids and maybe we'll talk about it during um a routine but maybe we'll hold off until that part so great so yeah let's dive into what you recommend a routine for feeding the babies and does it make a difference for how they sleep yeah so when babies come out they almost always have their days and nights backward so they um are you know sleeping a lot during the um during the daytime up all night so um i'm always curious to see if i had a mom who did shift work and worked nights if the baby would come out with the kind of right timing but um yeah so so what i tell people to help get days and nights worked out is to get the number of 24-hour feedings they have to have 
get most of, most of them in during the daytime. So if they have to eat eight times in 24 hours, can we do six feedings from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. with every two hours from start to start? Because then the baby can make some deposits in their liver with the glycogen that's a storage sugar. They can make some withdrawals later on in the night. Instead of living paycheck to paycheck, then kind of feeding to feeding, they'll be able to do something where they can can use that stored sugar at night to sleep for longer. And so my hope is is that they can maybe get three to five hours at night and so that, that moms and dads can get some rest and, and then um, maybe feed them once or twice during the night and then get some more sleep during the daytime. It's always funny when I see like a, a sign on someone's door that says, you know, don't ring the door by baby sleeping. I'm like, you want the baby up during the day so that they'll sleep better at night. So that's how I would prefer yeah. anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I do say that when people are, you know, up at night with the baby is keep the lights low. Don't binge watch your favorite show so that you're know, like, hey, we're up anyway. We might as well get something done. All that does is help the baby think that nighttime's a fun time to be awake and be stimulating. <laughs> hey, that carries over to toddler and young child years. I was always so I think bummed. And teenagers, and too. teenagers. Yeah. I was always so bummed that I had to go to bed and my parents were just hanging out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, then you get to decide how you want to spend your days, and you realize it's better to fall asleep anyway. Uh, this is true. Okay. So, what about cradle cap? How should we manage that? Yeah. Now, that's super common. And so, a lot of people do some brushing, but I just say use a dandruff shampoo of your choice head and shoulders, whatever, but massage it in at the start of the bath, leave it on for the duration of the bath, and then rinse it off at the end. It takes about four to six weeks, so don't have them do any additional bathing, but just whatever your frequency is fine. Uh, and then you can also think about some over-the-counter hydrocortisone for extra hard cases where it isn't improving with the dandruff shampoo. Makes sense. So while we're on the topic of skin, what are some baby rashes, like baby acne, and when do they show up? Yeah, super common. We'll see newborn acne, usually about three weeks of age, and so maybe a little bit at two weeks. So this is really observation only, nothing you have to do. It's mostly from their, their head to the top of the chest and top of their back. Other rashes you might see with it are heat rash, which is very transient and goes along with sunshine and warmth, and eczema, where they're kind of flaky and dry. So, so those rashes we can look at and, and let parents know what they are when they come in. What about skin and nail care? Yeah, and so one of our kids, Brock, has a little permanent scar on his face and scratching himself in the nursery. Mm -hmm. So I like to keep nails short with a nail file. And it's, it's hard to clip your nails because um, it's really easy to clip your skin as well. And then the second thing, babies are really flaky after they're born. They look, look like they have leprosy. Mm -hmm especially bad at their wrists and ankles. They might have some bleeding there. So I, I do some Vaseline on their wrists and ankles if they're especially dry and flaky after they've been in the hot tub for nine months. Yeah, just doing. <laughs> <laughs> so parents often notice that a baby's eye is pretty goopy and it doesn't otherwise look infected. What could that be? Yeah, super common question. They come in, and this is what we call a nasolacrimal duct obstruction. And it shows up once they begin making more tears, which, hap which happens as they get to be a little bit older in the first weeks of life. It should resolve in the first year of life. If it's not resolved by nine months, then I refer to an eye specialist 
Massaging it is often recommended, but re research shows that it's not super helpful. But if you're going to do it, make sure your fingers are clean and, and, and do the massaging um, from the middle of the eye, and we show people how to do that. If there's more eye discharge than usual or the baby has a pink eye look, then I like to see them for, for possible bacterial eye infection. Great. So after this long list of questions that par parents are bringing in, are there any other advice items still to cover once they bring in their list of questions? Yeah, for what we haven't covered yet, I think there's a couple more things. So first off is, I mentioned about cooking them evenly. What that refers to is making sure you change your sleep position, have them on their tummy a lot when they're right there with you, next to you doing something, um, put them in the crib facing different directions so they get kind of cooked evenly and don't lean on one side of their head too much and end up with a flat spot, end up in a helmet. Mm -hmm. So that's one big item. And then safety with siblings, make sure they're never alone together. It's so cute to have this you know, older sibling, put a little Twix on the baby. So, and mom walks in, what's this Twix doing here? But just sitting there and it comes in. And that's so that later on they can have it when they're hungry. But they're super cute to share their fruit snacks and gummy bears and stuff like that and share their favorite things. But it's definitely unsafe. Yeah. And so, um, and just like maybe a couple last things that are on my list is for SIDS risk is make sure that you have the back to sleep positioning no soft bedding. Um, people ask about outlets, and those are a, a pulse oximeter, but they're, they're good for getting data when a child is sick, but I wouldn't use it when they're healthy because it, it doesn't give good information and it makes parents a little bit too worried. Mm. With um, a car seat, make sure you have a good infant car seat for your baby. Call us for any signs of illness if you're worried about the baby, especially a first-time parent. You know we won't we won't judge you at all. If you're worried about something, we can go through and, and, and help people become comfortable with what things are are worrisome and what things are okay. Remember your postpartum checkup with your OB at six weeks of age, and uh, that's kind of our list, Dan. Okay. Well, great. I have one final question. And then I, I guess, yeah, yeah. I'll say one thing real quick. Also, just it just make sure, I mean, tell them to have their follow-up at two months of age. Okay, cool. And we will be talking about that in a little bit. As With soft bedding, does that include blankets as well? Like, it's really just the fitted sheet in the crib and nothing else, right? Exactly. And maybe having a receiving blanket to wrap them up in, but we don't want the soft, fluffy, you know, minky couture blankets because there's just a little bit of a, of a smothering suffocation risk that's... Right that's um, perceived to be out there, but um, a receiving blanket can be fine. Okay, well, awesome. Okay, we will be talking about the follow-up in a little bit. So thanks for joining us this time. Thank, thank, thanks, Sam. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to getting together again next time. Kid Doc is available wherever you find your other favorite podcast. If you enjoyed what we shared with you today, be sure to like us and subscribe to help other listeners like you find us. On our website, we will add supporting materials and other helpful items from this and other podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast, while carefully considered, are ultimately the opinions of the presenters and not necessarily of our employers or of any other organizations with which we are affiliated. And remember, the content of this podcast shouldn't be seen as a substitute for seeking actual personal medical care if this is an emergency, hang up and dial 911. Otherwise, schedule a visit with a caring doctor to help with your concerns.